helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I've known it for decades. See, first it was the new ice age, then it was global warming. But neither of those panned out. We had climate change. And now the Secretary General of the United Nations says, The era of global warming has ended. The era, the era of global boiling has arrived. But what if this is all just a giant hoax? What if all the money spent on solar farms, windmills, and collecting cow farts is just a scam? It seems few people pushing net zero take any consideration for the environmental disaster many of these technologies cause, not to mention the lives that will be ruined if they get their way. Could it be that the so-called consensus on climate change is nothing but a mass hallucination, or worse, a criminal conspiracy? Perhaps it's worth taking some time today and doing a little hoax-busting of our own before we get sold a bag full of fake magic beans. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me today as we're going to talk about hoaxes. You say, what does this climate change have to do with the Constitution? Well, if we bothered to follow the Constitution, the people that are pushing these climate hoaxes wouldn't be able to do much of what they're doing. Well, for example, remember, anybody remember the Inflation Reduction Act? You know, the act that did little, if anything, to actually reduce inflation? Yeah, come to find out, you know what it was? It was a big climate change scam. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The, the economists said that this bill cost about $740 billion and um, certainly hasn't done inflation very, very much good, and it hasn't done our deficit any good, and uh, now we basically have, yeah, it's just about uh, climate. You see, in that boondoggle, there was a $368 billion investment in, quote-unquote, climate change. Well, they say investment. They don't invest money. They stole money. They embezzled money from the American people to uh, promote their climate boondoggle. And we're stuck with the bill. And, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the interest payments. So we had the Inflation Reduction Act, the, the lie that uh, turned into a, a, a climate boondoggle. But, you know, hey, you know, this, there, there's, there's got to be some good to this. Yeah, it, well, let's see. We've got a, a, our deficit this year is uh, more than double than uh, any other, uh, the, 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 than it was previously, and the year's not over yet. So we have the inflation, because remember, they tried the Green New Deal. It failed. So we end up with the Inflation Reduction Act, which was really a climate change bill, and uh, they, they were able to sneak that through pretending it was going to uh, uh, reduce inflation when it actually raised inflation, raised the deficit. And uh, yeah, um, we're sitting here, once again, the American people picking up the bill. See, while outlays go up, uh, receipts have been going down. And according to uh, E.J. Antoni, um, he says, net interest in July exceeded the following categories. Now, we spent more money on interest on the debt than national defense, income security, Medicare, veterans benefits and services, transportation, and others. Think about it. 
there are only two categories that we're, where we spend more money than our interest on the debt. Uh, that's Social Security and, and, and education. By the way, neither of which is actually constitutional. So I have to wonder, if the Inflation Reduction Act was supposed to reduce inflation, and it didn't, and, and our deficit is growing for a, a, uh, a climate change boondoggle that uh, is going that is literally destroying the planet. I've been listening to um, uh, uh, the podcast, this guy, uh, Brian Dean Wright. He's a former CIA uh, officer. He has a, web, a, a podcast called The Right Report. Um, no, there's no relation. He doesn't advertise or anything like that. But I've been listening to him lately, and he's been doing a series on uh, what he calls dirty green energy. You know, the fact that uh, the solar panels require mining that destroys the environment, um, that, uh, uh, that they can't really be effectively recycled, so they get put in landfills where they uh, leak toxic chemicals into the groundwater. Uh, all to produce energy that's not reliable. And he just did one on the, the windmills that not only are killing Lord knows how many birds, but the federal government won't tell you how many uh, eagles have been killed by these these things because it's some sort of law enforcement secret. And these blades for these turbines, um, they, they can't be recycled, so they're buried. And you know, all this, and, and what was the other one? In order to get to the quote-unquote net zero. Memory serves, I think, we need to uh, basically take the land equivalent of three times the size of South Dakota to have the solar and wind farms necessary to provide the electricity we need. Yeah, that sounds like an ecological disaster to me, but this is what we're promoting. This is what is is being pushed on us, and uh, we just can't seem to see the obvious that at this point in time, at least, this technology does not work. It is not a stable resource for um, producing power. Oh, by the way, if you get rid of fossil fuels, you can get rid of most of your plastics, which not only means the the, the nice, convenient uh, tools you use in your kitchen, yet they, they be, you need uh, uh, fossil fuels for those. Yeah, all the plastics and the, the medical gear that we use to keep ourselves alive, yeah, that goes too. This makes absolutely no sense. But we're told by the Secretary of the United Nations, global boiling. You know what? It's hot in July. It's called summer. And uh, the last time I checked, yeah, it's a hot summer. I'll admit that. It's been a hot summer. It's been a, it was a hot July. August has been pretty hot. Um, I find it interesting that when they look at the charts, they only go back so far. I wonder why that is. Not everybody's being fooled, right? I just saw an article. Uh, they, they tried to put a carbon capture pipeline through North Dakota. They wanted to, to run this pipeline through North Dakota, and the people in North Dakota said, no, doesn't matter. The Biden administration wants to spend $1.2 billion of your money to fund two direct air capture carbon removal projects, according to the Department of Energy. Now, if you've listened to the Constitution study for a while, you should understand some things right off the bat. Um, $1.2 billion, Congress does not have the authority to collect taxes to fund direct air capture. It's not paying the debts of the United States. It's not for the common defense of the United States. And it's not for the general welfare of the United States, capital U, capital S, proper noun. This is a boondoggle. 
And of course, it's coming out of the Department of Energy, which managing energy is not a power of delegated to the United States. So the Department of Energy doesn't legally exist. So this is just more uh, theft. Yeah, this is more embezzlement of your money for this boondoggle called climate change. Now, listen, the climate changes. It's called weather. And for everybody going, but it's hotter, it's hotter. Remember, we recently came out, the scientists tell us, we recently came out of a little ice age. So if we were in a, a little ice age, um, warmer would be good, wouldn't it? But no, 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 we have all this climate hysteria. Well, um, these two projects, uh, one was going to be in Louisiana, one in Texas, were basically going to be giant vacuum cleaners. Man, I just had a flashback. Anybody else remember the movie uh, Spaceballs? Commence operation vacuum suck. So basically, these two plants, I guess, um, they would uh, suck the air, uh, uh, suck up vast quantities of air, and uh, run it through some chemical processing to condense the carbon dioxide, which they would then bury underground or, or use for other industrial products. Anyone think they're spending an awful lot of money for this? I mean, let's let I don't even know how much air. Could these things suck up? How much carbon dioxide could they actually capture? And then, okay, you put the stuff in the ground. How are you going to make sure it doesn't leak? I mean, again, you might as well create a giant robotic made with a vacuum cleaner and play space balls. Suck, suck, suck. But here we are. We are running pell-mell towards these, this agenda. And I just have to wonder, what is it really based on? Is the science there to support this? Now, again, I follow auto racing. And you know, for decades when I was younger, Indy cars ran on methanol, a petroleum-based alcohol. But of course, we had to change that. We had to change it to ethanol um, a couple decades ago. And well, that was because of climate change. And of course, I'm sure all the corn farmers in America and Iowa, they, they were very happy to have their stuff, their food turned into fuel. And of course, I follow Formula One. I'm even getting wonder about that, though. As much as I love some of the Formula One racing, they're pushing for this net zero, and they had to build these these giant hybrid cars, and they're bigger and they're heavier. And you know what? The racing is still pretty good, but uh, I'm I'm are they ruining the sport for a political agenda? And I keep looking at at these people who are promoting this agenda that that all of us have to to sacrifice and suffer while they fly around in their private airplanes and say, well, it's okay. See, I'm buying carbon credits to offset that. Oh, so in other words, you're paying for the privilege? Or or maybe somebody like Barack Obama is like all about, oh, climate change, evil climate change. That's why he bought an eight, I think it was an $8 million home on Martha's Vineyard, right on the, the water, right there at sea level that he said, was gonna we're gonna rise, but then again, he showed up. So you know the rising of the sea level stopped because Barack Obama was in office. And tell me that doesn't sound like a hoax. Now don't get me wrong, there are people that walk the walk. They they don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Uh, but the vast majority of the people I see, you know, crying out for for climate, you know, for this climate change and and net zero, and you know, we've got a you know carbon dioxide, which, by the way, is plant food. 
that we got to cut out the plant food because it's so evil. And don't worry about the dead birds or the dead whales or the uh, the, the the slave labor and the poisoned earth from all the, the mining and, and, and all that. No, don't worry about all that. We can save the planet for doing all this. I, I just wish they acted as if what they said was true. I mean, who who is that? Who is that crazy young girl? The um, Greta Thunberg, right? Yelling and screaming, "We're all gonna die! And it's all your fault! And you're evil and hateful!" And you know what? I think she just graduated college. I thought she was supposed to be dead five years ago. I thought she said we'll all be dead ten, you know, five years. We're all supposed to be, dead. but now she's graduated college, and we haven't died. I remember being told I was going to die in 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, 2020. How many times do I have to be lied to before we just stop paying attention? That's why I said I've known for decades this is a hoax. It's because none of the uh, of the scare taxes, none of the, their predictions have come true. Not one, not a single one has come true to the, the extent that they said it was. Yes, climate, the, the temperature rose. By what, one degree Celsius in five decades? And I love the way people say, well, you know, the, the polar ice caps are going to melt. Well, if you're worried about the Arctic ice caps, um, you know, the, the, was the Arctic ice cap is going to melt and raise sea level. Um, the Arctic ice cap is floating on water. It can melt to nothing and not raise sea level one inch, not a, not a millimeter. Do yourself, do a little math, right? Buoyancy, displacement. Now, the ice cap over the southern pole, yeah, if that melts, that could raise sea level because it's over land, but that's the ice shelf that's been growing the last few years or decades. But if you think about it, all of this climate stuff, the federal government has no business to it. There's no power delegated to the United States to do any of this. So whether it's an international hoax or not, the, the whole federal climate change debacle is nothing but a giant hoax. It's an attempt to separate you from your cash. And I think we're going to say, I've got some articles coming up that I'm going to cover in the next seg couple of segments to show you how much of this is not based in science. It's not based in reality. It's based in, at best, politics. At worst, as I said, it's a criminal conspiracy to separate you from your tax dollar. It's why I say we need to know what the Constitution says so that we know when our rights are being violated. We know when the federal government's going beyond its legal limits. And boy, howdy, when it comes to climate change, it is well beyond anything close to its legal limits. But you see, we don't know that. And the people we hire to represent us, they don't know it. And the people who they, they appoint and place to be uh, judges to apply the law, they don't know it either. The bureaucracy, nobody seems to be aware of this fact. And because of that, this hoax continues. And they've got every incentive to perpetuate this hoax. Because directly or indirectly, they're getting rich off of the hoax. So maybe it's time we do a little bit of hoax busting. And uh, learn how to figure out how to turn off the tap to the federal government that says, you can steal our money for things you're not authorized to do. Now, I don't know about you. I used to love the Mythbusters program. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think we can have a little bit of fun by using a little bit of science, a bit of reason and logic, and the Constitution to not only bust these hoaxes, 
these myths, but to reinstitute a government that is designed to serve us as in, uh, you know, like a waitstaff, not serve us as if they're looking at a cookbook and how to cook us. Maybe that's, maybe we can do that, but it's going to start with you and with me and just a little bit of time and a little bit of education. Now, before I get into the next segment, I've, I've got to take a break. And I hope you'll check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. If you've got a topic you would like me to cover or a question you'd like me to, to, to answer, well, just click the Ask a Question button. Ask if I'll do it, and I'll do my best to try. Just hit the little checkbox that says you'd like me to answer it on America Out Loud Talk Radio, and I'd love to try. While you're at it, you know, keeping a healthy body is important to living a good life, whether we're getting warmer or not. Now, you can do like I do. You can support your immune system while you're on the go with a simple, healthy cells, immune-boosting nutrients in a travel-ready gel pack. That's right. Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost combines over a dozen immune supplements into one gel pack. I throw them in my bag when I leave. I take one a day, and it helps keep me healthy so that I can enjoy what I'm doing, but also I don't, so I don't come home with the cry to make everybody sick. Now, since you listen to America Out Loud, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Find out how by going to americaoutloud.shop and looking for the card Healthy Cell. Basically, you want to go to healthycell.com and use the code OUTLOUD at checkout to get your discount. So put your card together, use that code OUTLOUD at checkout to get 25% off your order at healthycell.com. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, 
delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution study. Today we're talking about the climate hoax and the fact that in many ways it's being perpetuated in the United States by the fact that we don't keep the federal government within its, its legal boundaries established by the Constitution. Now, we've already seen how um, allowing government to spend money they're not authorized, to collect taxes for things they're not authorized to, has led to the, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually raised inflation and our debt, which of course costs even more money because you have to pay interest on that debt. Um, you've got the $1.2 billion in this carbon removal program that to me just seems like how much carbon can they actually remove? And then again, what are the long-term consequences of, of, of sucking up and storing carbon dioxide? Is it going to be under pressure? Are they going to turn it into uh, dry ice, uh, and then of course, if it's dry ice, it's going to sublimate and it's going to leak. It just seems crazy for something that isn't really a problem. Yeah, I know the UN says the era of global boiling is upon us. It's baloney. It, it truly is. And, and if you don't believe me, well, how about these two people? You got you have um, William Happer. He's the professor emeritus in physics at Princeton University. And Richard Lidzen, he's a professor emeritus of uh, atmospheric sciences at MIT. And uh, they claim that all these, the, the, the data that EPA uses to justify their new regulations are fantasy. Actually, they say it's not based on scientific fact. They say the, the unscientific method of analysis, relying on consensus, peer review, government opinions, models that do not work, cherry-picking data, and omitting voluminous contradictory data is commonly employed in these studies and the EPA and me in the proposed rule. This was this is what they wrote. They said, none of the studies provided scientific knowledge and thus none provided any scientific support for the proposed rule. So think about it. All the other, the new rules about uh, that the EPA is putting forth. Again, not laws because they can't make laws, but these rules are supposed to have laws. And they're all about cutting CO2 emissions in electricity generation. And we've already had the Supreme Court talk about, you know, the EPA can't simply make up rules for what it can and cannot do. But these are two scientists, professor emeritus. These are professors who were who were storied enough that uh, the, these universities said, even though you're not working here anymore, you're, you're, you'll forever be a professor. Uh, they went on to say, all of the models that predict catastrophic global warming fail the key test of scientific method. They grossly overpredict the warming versus actual data. The scientific method proves there is no risk that fossil fuels and carbon dioxide will cause catastrophic warming and extreme weather. 
again, these two scientists, and again, we're not talking biologists, uh, we're not talking, uh, um, you know, uh, chemists, we're talking a physicist and an atmosphere, a professor of physics and a professor of atmospheric science. And they say this is a hoax. He says there's no risk, there's no data, but yet you've got the EPA, and of course that means they're, the EP, the these power generation companies, because they're too stupid to realize that the EPA doesn't have this power, and they're unwilling to actually stand up and say no, they're going to put in all this stuff that makes your electricity much more expensive so that you can pay for all this hoax. Feel better now? Now again, these men are actual scientists, so they look at data. So they pulled up a chart. This is a chart of the tropical mid-tropospheric temperature variations, the models versus the actual observations. Now, looking at this, the, the models say that we would have a one degree, uh, I guess it's one degree Celsius increase in the tropospheric temperature at the mid-troposphere at the, at the, in the tropical zone uh, by 2015. It's the latest actual observed data they have. One degree Celsius. This is, and again, this is over uh, since 1975. One degree Celsius. Do you know what it actually turned out to be? It peaked at about half a degree Celsius. Does anybody else know there's a problem here? So the EPA is saying global warming with the era of, of global boiling is upon us because look at in, in just uh, you know, it's 30 years, 40 years, sorry, we had, we're going to have one degree Celsius. If this goes out, we're just going to all die, except your numbers are at least double what they actually were. Now think of all the rules and regulations. We had to go to, uh, you know, we had to have ethanol put in our fuel in order to cut down on carbon dioxide. We've got we've got cities and states that want to ban uh, fossil fuel cars, gas stoves, ele- uh, 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 gas appliances, gas generators, all for this mythical climate change, which is an absolute hoax. But Paul, you have the scientific consensus. Well, let's guess what? The consensus is wrong. By the way, that's nothing new, ladies and gentlemen. The consensus was said the world was flat, that the sun revolved around the earth, uh, you know, and that, you know, we would be dead by 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, 2001. The consensus is frequently wrong. That's why I tend to look to scientists that look at actual facts and data, not politics. That's right. Politics. See, Mr. Happer said, science has never been made by consensus. The way you decide something is true in science is you compare it with experiments or observations. It doesn't matter if there's a consensus. It doesn't matter if a Nobel Prize winner says it's true. If it disagrees with observations, it is wrong. And that's the situation with climate models. They are clearly wrong because they do not agree with observations. Now, what's interesting is there's a quote from uh, Michael Crichton. He is a, a physician and an author. He says, consensus is the business of politics. 
Mr. Cray went on to say, science, on the contrary, requires only one investigator who happens to be right, which means that he or she has results that are verifiable by references to the real world. In science, consensus is irrelevant. What are relevant are reproducible results. Back to Mr. Happer, who said, The initial predictions of climate disasters had New York flooded by now. No ice left at the North Pole. England would be like Siberia by now. Nothing that they predicted actually came true. You have to do something to keep the money coming in, so they changed global warming to climate change. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is all a gigantic hoax. Interesting, John Stossel did a, a piece with uh, climate scientist Judith Curry. The consensus is so strong, there shouldn't even be a debate. This whole debate should not have happened. I apologize to everyone at home. Climate alarmists claim there's an overwhelming scientific consensus. But it's a manufactured consensus. Researcher Judith Curry says climate scientists have an incentive to exaggerate risk. Why? What's in it for them? Fame and fortune. <laughs> so could it be that this whole climate crisis nonsense, again, is all manufactured? Is it all being created so that uh, uh, scientists and research facilities and can get rich? Well, let's listen to some more from Ms. Curry. She knows about that because she once spread alarm about climate change. And the media loved her when she published this study saying there was an increase in hurricane intensity. We found that the percent of Category 4 and 5 hurricanes had doubled. Really? Doubled? And so this was picked up by the media. The alarmists said, oh, here's the way to do it. It being, get the public alarmed. Climate change is making hurricanes stronger and more destructive. Tie extreme weather events to global warming. So this hysteria is your fault. Well, sort of. <laughs> Not really. They, they, they would have picked up on it on anyways. So Ms. Curry was part of the science, this, the climate alarmist. She saw something, she published a paper, and she was loved by these people. But listen to what happened next. But then some researchers pointed out gaps in her research, years with low levels of hurricanes. So like a good scientist, I went in and investigated all that stuff. She realized her critics were right. Part of it was bad data. Part of it is natural climate variability. So you're the unusual researcher who looks at criticism of your paper and actually concluded they had a point. They had a point for sure. Then the ClimateGate scandal taught Curry that many researchers aren't so open-minded. Leaked emails showed university climate scientists conspiring to hide data. It showed a lot of really ugly things, um, avoiding Freedom of Information Act requests, trying to get journal editors fired from their job. One email read, if you think this Yale professor is in the skeptics camp, Get him ousted. Now, the discussion went on to discuss, you know, the origins going back and found out that a lot of this climate alarmism is being driven by the United Nations. The UN created what's called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC wasn't supposed to focus on any benefits of warming. The IPCC's mandate was to look for dangerous, 
human-caused climate change. Obviously, if you're only looking for risk, that's what you'll find. Then the national funding agencies directed all the funding in the field. If you say we're all going to die and we got to spend a ton of money on this, you get funding. If you say we don't know, you don't get funding? No, it's more subtle than that. The announcements of opportunity for funding are really tied to assuming that there are dangerous impacts. So the researchers aren't stupid. They know what they need to say to get funding. Exactly. Now, remember, a lot, not all, but a lot of that funding is actually your tax dollars. These are, these are federal grants. These are federal studies being done that are looking for disasters. They're funding the search for disasters. And guess what? That's what they find. So now I want to ask you, in the face of this evidence, and uh, by the way, uh, you can, I, I found the interview uh, on YouTube. You can go find it as well. But think about it. We've got now three scientists. Okay, it's only three. You have two of them that are saying the consensus is not science because they ignore, in, they ignore data that doesn't fit with their um, desired outcome. Right? We have, uh, you know, we we have Ms. Curry pointing out. She says, "Hey." When, I, when my data was found to be flawed, I admitted it. And because of that, because of what I've learned from that, she was effectively blackballed from universities. She went on to say later that, you know, the, the university made it very uncomfortable for her when she came out uh, questioning the, the dangers of fossil fuels. When she tried to find another job in another university, nobody would have her because, like I said, she's you Google her, you you search for her, and what do you see is a a climate denier, a client a client uh, uh, disinformation. But what she's talking about are facts and data, but it doesn't match the consensus. But as Michael Crichton said, consensus is not a function of science; it's a function of politics. Does that mean that so much of the science we have today is actually politics? It certainly seems that way when it comes to climate change. By the way, I'd say it was we saw this uh, in full force in the whole COVID scamdemic, from the the dangers of scope of COVID to the masks to the mandates to the vaccines, all of it was was not done by science, but by consensus, i.e., politics. Now, I want you to think about that as we think about what comes up for our future. What does our life look like if we continue to allow politics and consensus to rule rather than, oh, I don't know, science, facts, data, things you can prove? Because if we're going to get beyond the hysteria, if we're going to get beyond the political machinations, if we're going to get beyond the hoax, and the consensus, and we look at data, then we can see what we can actually expect in our future and whether or not we should continue down this path. And that's really where I think we should be, is we should be looking at the facts and data, because we've got the government funding research into telling us we're all going to die, even though that data has proven to be wrong. We have our tax dollars being spent to fund data to tell us that, that 
the sea level is going to rise and it hasn't and but they're taking our money to do that now i have to take a break before i go i want you to consider this because this is what i'll talk about in the next segment what can we learn actual factual evidence of what what can we learn about what life will be like if we continue down this road that uh, the climate hoaxers have put us on now i hope that you are enjoying this particular topic this particular episode the importance of of looking at contrary data and not simply ignoring it or poo-pooing it or saying it doesn't match the consensus that's important and it's one of the reasons why I go to AmericaOutloud.news every day for news and information. They even have uh, a host that do uh, podcasts specifically dealing with, or frequently dealing with climate change. And you can do this as well. But I ask you, find those, those stories, maybe a video or a podcast, something that really you find important. It, it moves your heart. It, it shows the, the times when consensus was wrong. And then do something with them. Share them. See, by, by sharing contrary opinions, by exposing people to stuff that contradicts the consensus, and then showing them the facts and data that support that, we're doing more than just opening people's eyes. We're doing more than simply defending our rights. We're actually working to secure the blessings of liberty. Because without the liberty to contradict the consensus, there can be no freedom. Or as Benjamin Franklin said, uh, writing in Silence Do Good, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom, and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. I'm so glad you could join me today as we talk about busting this climate hoax. And we're, by doing so, not simply by contradicting, but with facts and data. And I want to take some time and look at what does life look like? What have we seen now that we've been years, decades now in this climate hoax, and we see the direction that they're going? For example, we have already had Congress suddenly decide that incandescent bulbs, well, they're just no good because they consume too much energy. I want you to think about this. So the incandescent bulb, is it the most efficient light bulb out there? Absolutely not. But it's cheap. 
You can buy, I mean, you, you could buy an incandescent light bulb for under a buck. So they decided, no, we're going to go to all these compact fluorescents. Only, see, there's one little thing. See, compact fluorescents, well, they contain a lot of mercury. It, it, it's part of the ignition mechanism to excite the gases to get the, C, the, 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 the CFLs to work. Forget the fact that they aren't, that, that, that while they're energy efficient, um, they aren't always that practical. Now, personally, I've started using more LED light bulbs. LED technology's gotten very good. It's gotten very cheap. I've done it for a couple of very simple reasons. They made sense. For example, uh, I live in the country. I live on a farm. And you know what? Sometimes the power goes out. You may not know, my wife ha has a neurological disease. She needs, uh, she's in a wheelchair, and she needs a power recliner to sit in. Well, there's one problem with the power recliner when the power goes out. It doesn't move. So I built a UPS for her, big old UPS. Well, she needs lights to see. Now, it made a lot more sense to put LED lights in there than it did to put incandescent lights because I could run the LED lights longer on a battery charge. Same thing in our kitchen. I replaced incandescent bulbs with LED bulbs because they draw less power. I could put more bulbs in to get a brighter output. These all make logical sense. But you see, we didn't get there. Um, we, we didn't go right to LEDs. We didn't wait till the technology caught up. And for many of us, we were stuck with these, these bulbs that, by the way, are toxic to my wife. My wife is sensitive to mercury. And uh, should one of these bulbs uh, be damaged, be broken in her presence, could cause some serious neurological damage to her. Someone who's already got a neurological issue, that's a bad deal. But there's more. See, when I was turning 16, I turned 16 just after gasoline went over a, a dollar a gallon. And of course, everybody went to more fuel-efficient vehicles. And we'd start out with this, these cafe standard, right? The corporate average fuel economy, where the government was telling, uh, 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 telling car manufacturers what fuel economy they had to get. And originally it was because, well, gasoline wasn't really available. Now they're doing it to try and lower gas emissions or, or, or emissions, CO2 emissions and other emissions from vehicles. Forgetting the fact that with the advent of catalytic converters and other technologies, cars are much cleaner than they were when I was at when I was 16. But now we have cars that are more expensive, uh, that in many ways are not the cars that we wanted because they have to meet these artificially established standards because the government wants us to get off of fossil fuels. Then we have the push towards electric vehicles. Now, listen, I have nothing inherently against electric vehicles. They just don't make sense all the time. Sure, if you are in the urban or suburban area, if your drive time is, is within the range, your driving is within the range of an electric vehicle, uh, you can get it charged. If the cost of the electricity to charge it makes sense, hey, I got no problem with that. I think the only thing we should do is figure out how we can convert the gasoline taxes we're paying into paying for the charging electric vehicles. But other than that, that's, that's a regulatory issue. That's not a technical issue. I have no problem with them. I think they're cool in a lot of ways, but there there's some big problems. I was watching an ad the other day. Uh, they were touting uh, some new electric vehicle. And they said, ooh, with this new electric vehicle, you can get, um, uh, I, I think it was a range was what, uh, 181 miles. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I drive 800 miles at a clip when I'm traveling. I did a trip to Florida. I've done trips up, up to the Northern Plains. I'll do six, 800 miles a day. Even if you get a Tesla where, you know, where I can get, uh, was it three, 400 miles on a charge. I still means I got to make two stops. And instead of a stop taking 10 minutes, like in my gasoline vehicle, they take an hour. That makes life difficult. So again, I don't have a problem with them, but you can't mandate them. You can't get rid of electric vehicles. I'm sorry, you can't get rid of gasoline vehicles simply because you don't like them. That turns us from a free society into a society. I mean, think about the days when you know people rarely traveled from their farm because it was slow and expensive. Isn't that kind of what they're trying to do now is make uh, uh, transportation slow and expensive so you can't travel much beyond maybe your county or your part of the state? And then this is my this is the other one. So California, California has been far and ahead. They, they're one of those leading the, 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 the way down this dystopia of self-imposed energy destruction. We're a self-imposed energy crisis. I lived through the 1970s energy crisis, and that was caused by another country. We're doing this to ourselves. So California has been trying to shut down fossil power plants uh, because, oh, they're, 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 they're terrible. Fossil fuels are awful. They're not, but that's what they keep saying. Well, the California Energy Commission, um, they had to kind of step back a little bit. See, back on August 9th, the, the state was planning to shut down its last three gas-powered generation stations. The last three gas-powered uh, um, power plants were scheduled to be shut down. They had to extend their use. Do you know why? Well, they were running out of electricity. So these three plants on the southern coast, they realized, you know what? We keep running into brownouts blackouts we we can't seem to to generate enough power on this mythical quote-unquote green energy or dirty green energy as some people call it so they left those up and running now there's two ways to look at this one way is to say you know what the 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 so-called green energy the so-called renewable energy isn't ready yet it's a nice idea but it's not ready yet to take over the entire load. Or then you can do what California says. It says we have to increase, we have to speed up our switch to these renewable energies because then we can shut these power plants down. What does that mean for Californians? Does it mean that, um, does it mean that, that uh, you're going to have to live with brownouts? Does, does that mean you're going to have to live with less energy? Does it mean you're going to have to deal with the, the, the toxic waste of uh, first manufacturing, then disposing of batteries? Does it mean that the, the state is actually planning on taking taxes from you to spend money to make you horror, not just cash-wise, but energy-wise? Does that sound like a utopian future or a dystopian future? And what's going to happen in California as more and more of these gas-powered vehicles are phased out because the, the, the governor said, no, we're going we're to outlaw gas-powered vehicles. 
No more fossil fuel. You have to get electric vehicles, which are going to put more strain on the on the electrical grid. More generation is going to be required just as they're trying to shut down these sources. And oh, by the way, is your grid able to support all that? And what happens at night or if the wind doesn't blow? What happens when the power goes out because there's just not enough energy? And of course, you had to get rid of your gas stove and your gas cook grill. So you, you can't cook because of that. And well, you got your, your gas water heater's gone. So you don't have any hot water. Of course, you could, you know, go, you could go down to the shelter, but uh, maybe there's not enough power to, to, to do a, uh, uh, plug in your electric vehicle and charge it up because they, they, this very same California, after after Newsom said, we're getting rid of fossil fuels, said, by the way, please stop charging your cars at night. We don't have the power capacity. This is moving us. I always, I'm always fascinated when people say we have to, it's progress. We have to follow progress. But we never ask progress to where. Because it's progress. We are progressing to the past. We're we're regressing to a time when power was not as readily available and not as inexpensive. And this is their idea of progress, to progress us into a dystopian time when you have less freedom, you have less opportunity, and your life is a lot more miserable. Now, before I head off for the day, I have one. I, I, this, lightened, this story lightened my mood. And I, I hope it does for you as well, because we've talked a lot about some miserable things about this climate hoax, but I wanted to leave you maybe with something a little lighter. So there's this group called the Native American Guardians Association, and they've threatened a football team because of their name. No, no, no. It's not what you're thinking, ladies and gentlemen. This group, the National American Guardians, National Native American Guardians Association, wants to organize a nationwide boycott boycott of the NFL's Washington Commanders if they do not turn their name back to the Washington Redskins. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They want to Bud Light them. Don't you just love that? See, they announced on X, formerly known as Twitter, that uh, they sent a, a formal letter to the Washington Commander's ownership and key leadership requesting that they return the name to the Washington Redskins. So I always wondered, all the people that are were complaining about the name Redskins, about these culturally insensitive names, how many of them were actually in the culture that was supposedly being offended? And how many of them were just a bunch of nosy white ne'er-do-wells? Nosy white liberals, liberals know better than everybody else. Therefore, we have to do this. In other words, was this whole we've got to change the name of everything so that we don't so we avoid uh, uh, hurting people, hurting their feelings, and making them feel bad? Was that just another hoax? Was it another hoax perpetrated on the American people by a bunch of do-gooders that don't know what they're talking about? that want to assume that other people think the way they think they should think. All right, that was a little common. Let me say that another way. They assume that if they think it's bad and to, to name a team after an American Indian, therefore, if you don't think it's, they must think it's bad because we think it's bad. 
that's the whole progressive nonsense. It's the arrogance of believing we know better. I'm curious. Now, listen, I haven't been involved in football for years now. They just got too woke for me. So I've walked away from them. I've also walked away from NASCAR, by the way, because I saw them getting too woke. And there's more evidence of that. Um, Was it uh, some driver, young driver, liked a tweet that uh, I guess was mocking George Floyd or something. And not only did he get suspended by his team, he got suspended by NASCAR. And now there are people that want to Bud Light NASCAR. I think it's pretty bad when your product name now talks about destroying businesses. But I want you to think, it made me laugh because here we have the hoax being exposed, or at least what I think is a hoax being exposed. We have people saying, we weren't offended. We have actual Native Americans saying, we weren't offended by the Redskins. We were offended that you changed your name, that you abandoned us. That, to me, is good news. I also think it's good news that we have more and more scientists, actual scientists, saying, uh, no, this climate stuff is a, is, is a hoax. This, the, this, the, what they call science is not science. They're ignoring data. They're, they're cherry-picking data. They're manipulating the output. They're hiding information. That's not the act of scientists. That's the act of politicians. This search for consensus is not the act of scientists but of politicians. And to have a scientist that actually was part of it originally stand up and say, no, you realize my data was wrong. And then she got vilified, but she's still standing and letting us know. Because science, ladies and gentlemen, means looking at contradictory data and not simply dismissing it. Whether that's the the climate scientists that are looking at the models saying, hey, do you see? You realize these models are wrong all the time? Why do we keep listening to them? Or, or the one that, that when, when their paper gets challenged, actually checks the data and says, hmm, guess what? I was wrong. That, ladies and gentlemen, is science. That, that is the firm foundation of reality. And it's what, it, 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 you know, well, reality is what I try to base the Constitution study on. I take the line from Acts chapter 17. I go back to the documents to see if what I'm told is so. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is how we avoid the hoax. It's how you don't fall for the hoax. It's how you don't get caught up in the magician's trick. By looking for those who are providing facts and data and then double-checking their facts and data. And most importantly, how do they react when their data is challenged? Is it a Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, the consensus says, oh, the politicians say, the politics says. Or is it someone like uh, Ms. Curry that says, hey, my data appears to be wrong. Let me change my conclusion. That's the scientific method. Now, maybe if the American people, when they uh, were, were purchasing ideas and policies, Follow the caveat emptor, buyer beware, before we started implementing all these policies, maybe we'd be a lot safer in the long run. Now, listen, if you liked all of this, I hope you'll come back because you can listen to the Constitution study. We're on every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. 
If you can't listen then, that's okay. The show goes to podcast generally a day or two after it's heard on the radio, and you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But again, I'm going to ask you to subscribe, to rate the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study so that they can share in this data as well. It's important. You can find the links at the homepage at americaoutloud.news, but it's important that other people find this. How do they know unless they've seen? How do they see unless someone tells them? By sharing this information, you're not just promoting America Out Loud. You're not just promoting the Constitution study. You are helping to share the blessings of liberty to all of us in this great nation, from sea to shining sea.